0: Welcome back to that Chelsea podcast, where Chelsea have got their first win of the Maurizio Pochettino era. Joining me to discuss this on this fine Saturday morning, I'm joined by a debutant on the pod, Harrison Burridge. Harrison, how are we doing, my man?
1: I'm all good. Yourself?
0: Yeah, I'm not bad. I'm not bad. It's always nice when when Chelsea get a win. The mood is always a lot happier. As always with guests, I get them to give themselves a plug. So Harrison, tell people where they can find you and all your work.
1: Uh, I'm on Twitter at HBullage2. I do all sorts of things. Football, cricket, you can find me there. Lovely
0: stuff. Harrison's links will be in the description below. Right, as you said, Chelsea played Luton Town. The first time the two had met in the first division, that is, since the 28th of December, 1991, when Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody was number one in the charts. A lot has changed since then. Thiago Silva was also the only player alive in the Chelsea squad when Chelsea last played Luton in the first division. It has been a long time coming, this Premier League fixture. Um, Harrison, 3-0 Chelsea win. Just give me your just quick thoughts on what you saw last night before we, we take a proper deep dive into it.
1: A much-needed win, I think it's fair to say, especially after the defeat against West Ham. A lot of fans knew we had to win this game and they definitely delivered. It wasn't the perfect performance by any means but it's one you've definitely taken first three points of the season first win at the bridge in a while job done
0: yeah no exactly exactly I mean it was Chelsea's first win at Stamford Bridge since the 4th of March when they beat Leeds United it's been a long long time coming Flowers by Miley Cyrus was number one in the charts back then and I'm sure everyone was sick to death of hearing that song by now um, yes Miley Cyrus has also released new music since then <laughs> before Chelsea next one a Premier League game it is what it is Tiago Silva became the second-oldest outfielder to start the first three Premier League matches of the season behind Teddy Sheringham, who did so for West Ham aged 39 and 147 days in 2005-06. We'll get on to him in a moment. Um, But, Harrison, there's kind of one man we've got to really start with. Raheem Sterling, he has started this Premier League season on fire. I mean, that was the first goal... I mean, just all the goals, really, just... A performance, but that is what Chelsea when they spent that fifty million two summers ago now. That is what Chelsea anticipated they'd be getting when they we signed Raheem Sterling, wasn't it?
1: Definitely, this is the player they wanted, and he's starting to deliver whether he's just there's you know, some comments last night, he's kind of found his confidence and been given license in some ways from Potter just run at defenders, which is something Chelsea players haven't done for so long now. We're so used to just kind of passing it around trying to find the perfect move, but the way he did it against West Ham as well, but the way last night for his goal, we just went through four or five losing defenders in a flash. It's, it's very difficult to stop, and he is a player with that dynamic edge, and it's just someone who, when he's on song, he's unstoppable. And if he can do this for Chelsea for the course of the season, and then carry it through to England as well with the Euros in the summer, I think a lot of people are going to be happy with him.
0: Yeah, 58 touches, 13 touches in the opposition box. Obviously, one of those touches was him steering home a second goal. Uh, which is exactly, you know, the positions Chelsea want to find him. Five shots, three shots on target, two take-ons completed, two chances created, two goals. He was exceptional, I say. That was very much Raheem Sterling performance that we, you know, he needed, but, you know, and again, it's just really encouraging that he has started his Premier League season very, very well. He was superb last night and deserved that standing ovation that he got when he went off. And also means Raheem Sterling has now scored 140 non Penalty goals in the Premier League, overtaking Jimmy Floyd Hasbank with just 16 players in the competition's history, scoring more. Some stat there. Um, obviously one of those players who helped play a large part, albeit more on the second goal than the first goal, was the magnificent Mallow who was full of gusto on their right-hand side. Harrison, Bruce James's deputy, that was a really solid performance on his first home start as well. Um, The fourth Chelsea player to provide multiple assists on their first start at home in the Premier League. Six final third entries, four duels won, two take-ons completed, two chances credited to assist, 95.6% passing accuracy. That was just really, really nice to see. You know, we know how important Reese James is to this Chelsea team. And in the past, we've kind of known that going from Reese to Aspliquetti, you do notice a significant drop off. And it was no, you know, now Aspliquetti was just sort of time catching up with him, but Malo Gusto, Chelsea have got a very able deputy and that was just so encouraging to see, given that we will be seeing him in the team for certainly a few more weeks at least while Reese is out injured.
1: Absolutely, it's, it underlines perfectly why you need quality backups in certain positions and Chelsea has suffered so much when Reese James hasn't been there over the past couple of season, having to change systems and style of play to suit because so much comes down that right side for them and Gusto last night delivered on so many people's expectations and more in many ways to be able... To provide a constant attacking threat down that right hand side. I mean, you've read out his stats, they're fantastic for any player. But for someone making their home debut in front, first time at the bridge, that is one way to please the fans and get the, the fans behind you. And he definitely did that link up with Sterling, looked particularly good. And that's going to be a key asset the next few weeks. And it's also good just to know that anytime James does go down, we've now got gusto behind him, and he's happy to come in and put perf- performances like that together.
0: Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. And Harrison Nicholas Jackson finally got for Mark in a Chelsea shirt. Lovely, lovely to see for him. Look, he's everyone had been really like what Bates saw in those first two games for him, and all that was missing was that goal again last night. His link-up play with Raheem Sterling, I thought, was was pretty good at points. Um, Forty-six touches, nineteen passes completed, nine touches in the opposition box, five shots. Again, that was nice to see him getting more shots away than he had in previous two games. Winning possession five times, three shots on target, two completed, two chances created, and gets that goal. And it's just really, you know, sort of nice to sort of link up there. Enzo Fernandez with a lovely bit of skill sort of a pre-assist before laying off to Sterling. who puts a cross in the box, and there's Jackson. And you kinda of just want your striker, right? That's what you want your striker, just getting on the end of those crosses, tap-ins inside the box. His first Chelsea goal. Just, you know, nice to get that one off the back. As encouraging as those performances have been in the first two games, he's a striker. You do want goals, and hopefully this is this is the first of many for him. But that was just really nice, and that sort of just in the end sort of capped off a, a really successful evening.
1: Yeah, definitely. In, his energy is just infectious. You're watching him; he's, just, he's always on the move, and it makes him so hard to deal with. And the goal was a perfect example of that. Chelsea, much like Sterling, where he plays and not having people run at defenders, having an able back up to Reece James, we haven't had a striker who gets into the six yard box for consistently for several years now, and Jackson did that. Perfectly last night, got in there at the right moment, got his goal, which he really did deserve. Because you can see he's, he is raw, he's playing, he's learning, but he's doing all the right things, making all the right movements. And you can see why Pochettino loves working with him and keeps putting faith in him, because he is a player that will deliver more and more as he plays more and more.
0: Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, let's go to sort of our midfield pairing. Enzo Fernandez, another outstanding game. 78 touches, 59 passes, completed 23 passes in the final third. possession won seven times, four shots. Two chances created, um, Harrison. I mean, obviously, we are now really starting to see sort of the real Enzo Fernandez. We saw signs that you know last season towards back end. We did all see some great performances, but this has been you know three pretty, pretty really encouraging performances aside and I said penalty miss aside against West Ham. He's been, I guess, pretty close to to flawless really in these first few games.
1: Yeah, there's always been a lot of talk about what happens when he goes further forward because we kind of know his potential, he's kind of locked up in a way, playing that deeper role last season and he's just he's just living the best life. It, I think it's fair to say he's showboating a bit, as we saw last night, and just pulling off passes and plays that a midfielder for Chelsea like hasn't done for ages. There's a shades of Fenton lampard there for sure. He just plays with such a freedom and joy that it's, it's fantastic for us to watch and a nightmare for opposition. Because just the way he kind of glides, he knows the pass before he does it, and he executes it perfectly. And I think to have him at the heart of your midfield is going to be a joy for any side. And I think the way Chelsea locked him down so early is fantastic.
0: Yeah, his partner in there, Moises said it was a lot happier uh, day than it was last Sunday against West Ham. Seventy-two touches, fifty-eight out of sixty passes completed. Six jewels one, two out of two tackles one, two fouls one, one interception. And he sort of again has a little role to play. Uh, sort of getting uh, in, in our second goal, uh, sort of laying off to to um, to Gusto to to cross in to Sterling. Harrison, again, you know, he perhaps did not stand out as much as the other players, but I don't really necessarily, as a fan, need my, you sort of Moise Kayser in that position to stand out as much as those other players. Him just doing that role, crucial blocks, Krustak just, you know, allowing those around him to, to do their jobs and thrive. And that was just a really solid, just encouraging performance for, from Kayser. And, you know, we know we've got a, We've got a player who's just nice that he was able to bounce back so quickly after the disappointment of last week.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's just kind of banishing those ghosts of that little nightmare debut you had against West Ham. And you, as you mentioned, it, you don't want your kind of your whole midfield to always stand out. And he just goes back to work quietly. So I'm sure we'll get on to about a few other players as well who did it as well last night. But he's just there, constant presence in the midfield, passing it around, linking up, breaking up play. And it's exactly why they signed him. And, the Chelsea midfield structure looks so much better having him at the base last night, and then allowing Enzo and Gallagher to kind of roam freely.
0: Yeah, no, exactly. It was a clean sheet for Chelsea, so that was nice. Robert Sanchez did not have much to do. One save. It was sort of an interesting, an interesting technique, um, but but he, he got the job done. It was, it was a clean sheet, uh, so it was nice. You know, that I thought about back back three or more, so back two I and mean, then full back really that. But the centre back pairings, you know, worked really well. I mean, Harris, I will go on to, to our Silver and Desires, but Levi Caldwell, I know they'll be talking, you know, and we'll probably get on to it maybe when we get on to questions about while we're playing Chilwell, where we are. But Levi Caldwell, defensively solid, aside from I one time when he sort of got, got turned in, in the box, but thankfully didn't give away a penalty. But also, what's wonderful about Levi is I just find his, his passages down the channels because there's a moment, that, again, in that first half, he plays one sort of down the channel, Jackson gets it plays it to Chilwell, who just lays it off for Enzo, who just, you know, it's unfortunately his sort of left foot and he skies over. That could you know, very simple move started by Cole that could easily have resulted in Chelsea uh taking the lead sort of earlier than they did. But again, three games in, I mean, you know, I'm not sure necessarily but we wanna we wanna be seeing him at left back all the time. But he is he is certainly doing doing a job and showing, you know, his quality in this Chelsea side
1: he's taken to it like a duck towards him anyways and how I think a lot of fans thought he would and it's impressive he's doing it outside of his natural position per se you, you wouldn't put him as a left back normally but he's he's often a threat going forward and as you kind of mentioned he he's being caught out every now and then going back because just maybe not used to being in that position but he's able to recover and put in solid challenges elsewhere and to have that young presence someone who you know is going to be in the team for a long time at the back is massive for Chelsea and, he brings his leadership and calmness. He brings as well. You can kind of just sense he's comfortable in what he's doing. Because undoubtedly the lone moves he's had, being at Brighton last year, Huddersfield the year before, has helped massively. And a big credit, to like the Chelsea Academy and structure, to be able to build him up in this way, so he can just come straight into the first team and look like a natural who's played hundred games.
0: Yeah, no, indeed, indeed. Thiago Silva, solid at the back. Axel Dizarsi, fairly solid, over back as well. Conor Gallagher again, sort of in a sort of further, slightly more forward role when we've seen in the first two games, again you know, was lively, again, linking up at points quite nicely with, with fellow attacking players. It was just really encouraging performance. And it was just one of those where no, you felt no Chelsea player really dropped anything less than a 7 out of 10. And there were a lot, and obviously in the cases of, of Sterling, uh, uh, you know, and Jackson uh, and Gusto, a lot of players performing higher. And look, just on Sterling, there's a graphic, the sort of Skype up. And again, his numbers basically in all departments are basically just double what they were last season. His shot conversion is up from 14% to 33% per season. Possession one, he's winning 7.9 times per 90 compared to 3.1 last season. Winning more than twice, is double his jewels, 9.5 this season compared to 4.4 last season. More successful dribbles, which is obviously what you know we, he's capable of. And we kind of see that, that come into play for that brilliant solo slaloming effort for the first goal, 4.2 to 1.9 from last season. And his touches apparently 95 this season per 90 compared to 48 last season. So again, getting more involved in the game as well. I mean, Chelsea had, hadn't scored... More than Chelsea hadn't scored three goals in a Premier League game since they beat Wolves on the 8th of October 2022. And it was just nice that Chelsea were scoring goals. Chelsea had only scored twice two goals in a Premier League game twice in 2023, and they were two all draws against Everton and Nottingham Forest. And we did kind of see there was a shaky period after Chilwell missed that chance for maybe 15 minutes where you thought maybe Luton would get into it. They never really put us under a siege, and there was never like huge immediate threat. I guess it was just given. Where Chelsea are, we'd not won a game for a while. There were nerves, but it just seemed as soon as we got that second goal, we just really settled down and the confidence flowed. And in the end, we won three 0 Chances to make it, make it uh, four or five later on. that was just nice to see. And hopefully, just getting that first win for players who, you know, group players who've not won many Premier League games together. Just hopefully, nice. This can hopefully be the start. A nice building block with some, you know, in in common's kinder fixtures. Come on, hopefully this can just be the start of of Chelsea sort of going on some sort of run.
1: Yes, yeah, it's, it's very easy to f- forget in so many ways the run kind of Chelsea have been on when we're watching this side. It's, it's completely different to the sides we watched last year. It's so much more energy, players on the move, passing one-twos all over the place. And that's really positive to see. But like with anything you kind of mentioned there, you want to get your, that first win. That first win is massive for any side to get in any season. And they've got that now. And you mentioned it's, it's a nice, it's a favourable run of games to have by no means easy. But it's one they were target to pick up a lot of points from. And they can put themselves into a good position going into like the winter months when normally there seems to be a traditional slump, which hopefully doesn't happen this year. But for them, a big, big positive to get that win. They really did need it last night.
0: Yeah, no, indeed. It was just nice. And, you you know, just felt, but obviously, given how last season went, you know, it is important Chelsea start picking up results sooner related because you do not want that that tension, that negativity from last season to to, to fester. And obviously it was a bit, you know, a bit alarming sort of how we did collapse at, I guess, West Ham second half last week, but it was really nice to bounce back. It was just a lot of, just a lot of feel good, good factors as I said with Jackson scoring his first goal, goal against a newly promoted side. And then immediately, and he's wearing the 15 shirt and then the stat come out, did he a But a day before 19 years previous scored his first Chelsea goal against the newly promoted side in Chris in in his, in his third premier league game. As well, like Jackson and Eden Hazard scored in his on the twenty fifth of August, twenty twelve against Newcastle, and I believe I'm pretty sure that was Chelsea's third game of the season as well. So just a nice little parallel omen. If Jackson could go on to have a career similar to 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 Drogba or, or Hazard, will be will be very very happy there. So no, it was just a really nice positive performance last night, and it, it just left you feeling good about life. And it, it's nice about that Friday night game; it means you can sort of go into the weekend just enjoying the rest of the Premier League game. You don't have to moan or let this result fester. You can just enjoy this and enjoy watching the other Premier League games that are on offer. So, yeah, it, it was just nice. And look, there's a chance to build. You know, they've now got a nice sort of little... I've been playing a night. There's now sort of eight days till, till the, the Forest game um, on the weekend. Obviously, there's a Carabao Cup action midweek, um, which I guess we'll just, we'll just do like a little... Preview now, Harrison, obviously, we looking at that Chelsea bench, it was quite clear to see Chelsea are depleted with injuries. We'll just do like a quick, I guess, roughish team. Again, it's quite tough to know because who will be available. But if we would just do a quick team for Wimbledon, I'm going to say, given that he should be announced very soon for uh, Petrovic, I'm not going to try and pronounce his first name, for for a goalkeeper from New England Revolution. I'm imagining, seeing as we're going to, you know, hearing that he's going to be challenging Sanchez for a spot, I'd imagine... If available, we can throw Petrovic into starting goal, would you say?
1: Yeah, definitely. Because I think there's a big factor in the way we look at this team as well. The development side of the Packer John's game on the Tuesday night and we play on the Wednesday night. So it's gonna be a little bit difficult kind of kind of managing players, and we might not see some of the young players we want to, but I think Petrovic, if he is available and registered in time and Potasino is happy a slot straight in.
0: Yeah, I mean obviously I'd like hopefully Leslie Ugachuku, I would like to imagine we see him. And just a point on him, Harrison. He's had two cameos off the bench. They've not had to be the longest cameos, but he's just looked so calm, so assured. And he just looks like a player that, you know, hopefully can stick around the season. You feel Poch, you know, can will certainly will find find a role for him because he's just looked so at ease in these two games. And I guess it does help that he's had that sort of experience playing a decent amount of football for Wren already. But he just thought one of these players, sort of out of all the signs made this summer, one of the perhaps less glamorous ones, one of the ones we ever talked, maybe he would go on loan, et cetera. But, it, you know, just... He's just looked really, really solid in the these two games. You know, don't want to get too carried away because it's sort of two cameo appearances, but he's one player who's looked really solid. It'd be nice to see him sort of get that first start midweek, wouldn't it?
1: Yeah, similar to Colwell in many ways. He's just come in and settled in straight away without any fuss, really. And it's, it was an odd because many as soon as he came, many were saying, like, well, he's going on loan, maybe to Strasbourg or somewhere else. But Puccino's you know, kept in line whether he likes what he sees in him. Many people are saying his height is a big advantage. There's not something Chelsea having abundance in the midfield at the moment. He brings that. He's just someone who, as you mentioned, he's played so much first-team football already that he could just fit right in and be a perfect deputy to the players Chelsea have in midfield. And minutes won't be as common as they like. Maybe that's why I'm sure we're getting to someone like Santos has gone out on loan with the likes of Caicedo and Lavia coming in in that position. But... Ugatshogu has he's come in he's looked calm he deserves a first start at the weekend I think sorry in midweek it's fair to say and it'd be a perfect game for him to start because Wimbledon will they will come at us they it's a cup game they'd be up for it they've got a big chance to get a scalp at Stamford Bridge but you'd favour Chelsea in that game
0: yeah absolutely absolutely um I don't you know again this this question could say we don't you know there are injuries and you'd say. You'd hope that if McCullough Mudrick was fit, you'd say, start him in that game. We don't know yet. He, we just know he was out for for the looting game. Again, Noni Madawake, he was on bench. You'd kind of go, that's a decent chance. Give him a start in that game. I guess up front, there's the, there's the idea, do you just continue Jackson, give him that confidence? Or do you, get you know, do what i probably do, start Mason Burstow and then, you know, have Jackson on bench. And if Jackson can come on, maybe get a goal late on there. Um, obviously, Ian Martin came off bench again. I think that'd be a nice opportunity to see him get that start midweek and then with ian martin harris i guess it is interesting where 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 we actually playing because there is also mark kukarela sitting on bench who's been an unused sub in three games and look if you kind of think for his sake that he can get a move this window whether it be on loan or or permanent but if not then you kind of be thinking well kukarela's probably got to get a start midweek whether that's sort of you know sort of in that left-back role where, where we've sort of seen Levy play or if it's where, where Chile's playing or wherever, you probably say more of the, the Lee role. In which case, you, would you like to see Mattson sort of in the Chile role to see what we can maybe see going forward? Because, you know, of all the positives about Chelsea, the Ben Chilwell sort of role sort of on the left, sort of in that almost left, mid-left wingman, has been one that's perhaps not been as effective as as people would like. Would you like to see Matt there would you like to maybe see him even sort of you know, almost sort of in the Connor role that we, we saw, you know, him him come on for in the, or, you know, replace um Carney role where he came on in the Liverpool game. Where would you like to sort of see Ian Martin play midweek?
1: It's a difficult one in many ways because, obviously he had so much success for Burnley last season playing as an orthodox left-back, but then he's come in to Chelsea and played a lot in pre-season and Potashino is putting further forward, almost in the role Chirwell's been playing I think it's fair to say the last few games. So I think it's almost natural he will, if... You imagine Potocino sticks with a similar system throughout the other night. Probably Sakukuro will slot into the role Colwell has been doing. It's inevitable he gets some minutes and then Matson will go to Chirwell, I think, because I think it's probably a position that suits him best. He loves to get forward, he offers so much going forward. He's and similar to Sterling, the way he's dynamic on the ball, he, he's creative. And a lot of people have been asking him to play further forward in previous games and he hasn't. There would be a perfect opportunity for the same way of like, Ukuchoku as well, that first game. Not as much pressure as a Premier League game, not as much spotlight. It'd be a perfect one to come in and get some decent minutes under his belt.
0: Yeah, I know Pochettino has kind of said Lavia won't be involved for a few weeks. And again, obviously, he knows his pre-season state, his fitness state a lot me. It is one of those, if, if it was possible, I would quite like to see Lavia start this game. Again, not sure how possible it is. We will kind of see there. And I guess, obviously, you know, centre-back, there's no need for Tiago Silva to play this game. Bashir Humphreys on bench last night. And Harrison, we did see him, you know, he's offering his one appearance in the FA Cup last year, I believe it was against Man City, went out on loan, then uh, who knows what happened with him for the rest of the window. But this the, if he's in your squad right now, there's pretty much no excuses not to play Bashir Humphreys midweek, right?
1: Yeah, same as Mason Burst as well, You've, you mentioned a moment ago as well. They're two young players and other kind of products the academy and testament to the work that's come through there. They look natural when they're playing everyone, given faith by Poterty as well. And um, Humphrey's been on the bench all the time. And then Bursa, he's had a couple of appearances off the bench. Now was trusted Sunday to come off the bench when they, Chelsea needed the goal and it didn't happen. But it he, is given that faith by Pochettino, And that's what you like to see. And kind of it's testament to how Pochettino does love working with young players and how he believes in them and sees them as equal to their experienced counterparts. And they're two players, especially Humphreys, you'd expect to start in midweek. And you'd re- be really annoyed if they don't, because this is the perfect game in many ways for them to, get, to give them that first-team experience so if they are needed if more injuries happen or other things happen in future weeks they can just slot straight in
0: yeah exactly this is probably the one rare luxury of chelsea playing at this stage of the carabao cup it does give an opportunity to to have them look at more y- younger players uh before you make progress and obviously i guess diego moreira was on the bench yesterday again it'd be interesting if he's in the picture obviously as you mentioned chelsea under 21s are playing a game before at mk a day before at mk don so again it'll be interesting to see as well what players are involved in that, does he play in that or does is he involved in the squad for this I guess, you know, it's it's quite tough to sort of really predict the team because we don't know at this stage but again you'd imagine if we are doing that then maybe you see there's maybe you, maybe Desire starts again who knows, does Gusto start again, we'll see but that's just kind of a look ahead a bit to, to Wimbledon um, Harrison, let's talk about some, some outgoings uh, Andre Santos has gone on loan to Nottingham Forest, I guess that kind of felt just a bit inevitable when both Lavia and Caicedo arrived. Leslie Ogachukwu was already there. You've got Colin Gallagher who can sort of fill in that role. And ultimately, at this stage of his career, he needs that development. He's not got the senior football that Leslie has at this stage or any of those other players really have. Um, he goes to Nottingham Forest. Just what are your thoughts on move? Because I certainly think, look at it, we're a lot of, you know, understand there's a lot of pros and cons to this move. I do not have the same. Thankfully, what's well, been nice if we've not, I do not get the Billy Gilmore vibe that some people have got from this. And we've, you know, when when Billy went to Norwich, when we were told, sold this dream that, oh, Tuchel and Falk have this great relationship, like, Billy will play, you know, it will go down so well, Billy will play loads. This does feel like it could go, this could be a really good move, providing Steve Cooper stays Nottingham Forest the whole manager, which is kind of just my big caveat for this whole move, but just what are your thoughts on it?
1: On paper, it's an overwhelmingly positive move for me. You've mentioned Steve Cooper there, like Potter you know, in many ways. He has a fantastic track track record with young players. He's brought them through at Forest, uh, Swansea where before, and then of course with England where he won major trophy in a youth tournament as well. And that's got to be the crux for it. If he stays, Santos will feature a lot, albeit we'll Forest Midfield, it is a position they've got a few players, but you'd you'd back Santos to force his way in and get those regular minutes he needs to be out. Able- to be a part of the Chelsea squad next season, I imagine that is the plan with this move for them. But Forrest and Mimos, it's a club on the rise. They seem set to consolidate themselves at this level. They had a good season last year. They've started well this year. And I'm kind of personally I'm tipping them for another good season. So that normally means they won't. But fingers crossed um for Santos and Chelsea that it is one of those moves that works out perfectly. And we don't, we are not sat here in like eight months time wondering, oh, why have we done that?
0: Yeah, no, exactly. I said I think you know, I think everyone outside of Nottingham Forest owner can see that Steve Cooper should definitely stay stay there as manager. But given how it seemed that basically he survived somehow last season, despite the owners seemingly want to get rid of him at nearly every opportunity, you do wonder if he'll be afforded the same luxury this season. They said he's you know done great work at youth level, at, you know with England, and he he is good for for nurture players. He's a he's a very good coach. So I think. That is a good move. I said my concern is purely Nottingham Forest. If they are involved in a relegation scrap, if he is sacked, we do see other managers coming, and they tend to go to you know some depending on who's go to senior players. Does Santos then fall out of favour? It's one of those. I think there's you know positive and negative to it, and I also like to think that seeing as Chelsea have kind of left it so late for Santos, that they kind of do see this is like a, as a really good move for him, probably one of the best moves he could have got. So you know we look forward to that, and obviously it would be you know interesting to see see how Forest doing, you know, potentially if Callum Hudson-Odoi goes there, it'll be a little bit of a, a Chelsea field to sort of keep that a, a bit more of an eye on them. Um, there, another player we are trying to move. I guess the mood around this one is slightly different, Harrison. Romelu Lukaku. Oh, fair play. I've, I've struggled to remember a man who has burned so many bridges in, in his career so far. It is staggering. Roma on loan. There's also something I find quite heroic about Jose Mourinho taking Romelu Lukaku on again, there is also something quite funny about him going to a club where Tammy Abraham is at right now. Currently, look, Roma right now, Tammy's injured. I believe the ball is injured. The other striker is Andrea Bellotti, who went all of last season without scoring a goal before he obviously scored in the opening weekend for Roma last week. It's a loan. It does take up one of those overseas loan spots that we are now kind of limited with. It's not a permanent move that we'd like. I guess it's just one of those things like the problem goes away for a year and I I I I, I don't even I, I don't even really want to sort of you know I mean the had his opportunities to, you know, have moves and then he's, you know, changed his mind. Whatever. It's just such a frustrating situation we find ourselves in, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean the fact. I, I just don't know how he manages to annoy every single set of fans at each club he gets linked to. Like, it's quite impressive, and to just score he... the
0: amount of goals he has as well, yeah. and to have like a sort of career he has goals wise, to not really be loved probably by any real club it is a seriously impressive achievement.
1: Yeah, it's even more impressive when you see the process they come out with. It. I think it, what, Juventus came out like invaded the pitch and surrounded something to say no to Lukaku or something. It's just weird, but in. In many ways, I just want him out of the club any way possible this season. The last thing you want is him just kind of lingering around the training ground because who knows what effects that can have. You not as you said, you, ideally you want him permanent because then it's just gone. It's someone else's problem; they can deal with it in the years to come. But so I, it is ironic in a way that it's Mourinho's club have come in for him and he is going to be replacing Tammy Abraham, who he replaced at Chelsea a couple of years back now, but. It just it does feel like we're just shifting the problem down the line to next yeah. summer because it's going to be another ordeal and a lot of time taken up to try and get him off out of the club off our books and you'd want him gone permanently but if he can just go somewhere else this season I think it's probably best for everyone.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, Harrison, I wasn't really expecting to be. Well, I say I wasn't really expecting to. I shouldn't really ever be that shocked when if, if I'm ever talking about something, Mike Dean, because that person does sort of love the sound of his own voice um yeah he admitted uh that he failed to change a VAR decision to save his mate Anthony Taylor from more grief in that infamous Chelsea tool Spurs game beginning of last season anyone who's not aware Cucorella's hair is yanked by Romero that's kind of a red card defense um Spurs you know score from the, from the resulting corner it's not Romero who scores but the situation is vastly different if Spurs got 10 men on pitch compared to 11 and he just said, I missed the stupid hair pull at Chelsea versus Tottenham, which was pathetic from my point of view. It's one of them where I ha- if I had my time again, what would I do? I'd send Anthony to the screen. I didn't want to send him up because he is a mate as well as a referee. I didn't want any more grief than he already had. And Harrison, he is no lo- what is <laughs> also quite funny. he's no longer a referee. He's also no longer a part of, of in the VAR, but if he did that role for last season, then he's left. He's now sort of part of Sky's, I think, team. So he kind of says this without any real consequences. He also then dubs, basically, and confirms, basically, all our fans' suspicions of, you know, it, the referee, and PGML being like an old boys' club. And just when you hear referees of all these, like, you know, really trying to get sympathy from fans, explaining how tough a job they have, how unfair the abuse they receive is, Mike Dean has done them absolutely no favours in confirming a lot of fans' suspicions in saying that, yeah, actually, they look out for themselves. They don't really do their job, and all this is done... By doing this, is it allows cheating to go place? It allows corruption to place. And on a minor point, and who knows what difference is made? It potentially has a huge impact on the way Chelsea season goes. And Thomas Tuchel's Chelsea career, because five games after this, he sacked. And if Chelsea, I, I know it's small margins, and given how Chelsea played this season, I, I'm not going to say Thomas Tuchel would still be here or things would have drastically improved. But that would have been two wins from two at the start for Chelsea last season. And I don't want to harp on this point too much because it, it's gone. But it just shows like just how crazy it is to come out with that like just probably keep that to yourself mike as much as we do like honesty, that has done that benefits absolutely nobody what you've said the pgml then have to come out and release a statement going like mike why did you say that out loud type thing um just just an absolute mess and just kind of you know it kind of gets to the point we have the best league in the world we have the best managers in the world best players in the world and yet we have some of the worst referees officials in the world I'm going long question here. Is it also time to kind of think outside, sort of get an independent panels sort of for VAR where they do not have this close connection with with mates? Because clearly that is something like an issue. And then you hear instances like it does make you think. Well, what about other instances in the past? Sorry, there's a lot to unpack there. Just, just go. Just pick wherever you want to start with first.
1: I mean, it just opens an absolutely massive can of worms. And I mean, you kind of it to a lot of it there. For A referee to come out and say he didn't send someone to the screen for the. Right reasons because he was his mate and would get too much grief. It's so I want it because it's actually his backfires. He actually got so much more grief from not actually making the right decision. Where if he did it, everyone would be fine. Happy days, right decision be made. Referees wouldn't get so much abuse that they always they harp on about. But here we are now, and he's come out and said this. The PJ Mao have come out and said that, oh, no, this doesn't happen. But well, we've got public record of Dean saying this, and you do wonder. Where else this is happening in other games? Because there's so many bad decisions on seemingly every weekend at the moment. First weekend of the season, also you had that one with Inanna and Wolves, and that made zero sense. You wonder, the sign-up play there. Last weekend with
0: McAllister's red card that did get overturned and rescinded, but the consequences to that anyway. But yeah, sorry,
1: continue. It's just, you just wonder what what is going on. I think the independent panel would be a good way because I mean, to reference cricket here. They have a like a, sorry, a decision review system there. There's no biases involved. It's black and white. I guess it is different in some ways to cricket, Sorry, to yeah. football, where there's nothing that's really subjective. It is a lot objective, but there are a few decisions, like right, sometimes catches that if they touch the floor a lot, they are subjective and require a lot of looking at. But in football, there doesn't appear to be a clarity, a, a line where this is a penalty. This isn't a penalty. It's constantly being moved to it, being bended to however each referee sees fit and if you just get a group of people in who have no ties or connection to the referees it's probably perfect because then you know who to blame if it does go wrong you know okay they've made a mistake it's them you're not going to have any kind of connections to these people where now we're looking at it. and you've mentioned old boys club it could well be there's been a talk a lot with just to mention you it again so like, the england cricket team in the past has been called an old, old boys club with names that keep being recalled into the squad and it seems that way with the refs at the moment. Dean has done them absolutely zero favours.
0: Yeah. Also the fact that essentially players cannot challenge or really talk back to the referees. They get booked. Managers are, have to be very careful what they say publicly about referees afterwards. I mean, my immediate thought was just imagine if a Chelsea player had posted about that on social media after the game, they'd have probably been handed a fine and maybe a match ban. I can't remember. Too, I mean, did Tuchel get a touchline ban? After Tuchel did get a touchline ban but that was more for his contact thing. But if he, you know, probably said something, he could have got action. But yeah, they'd have been completely justified and, and validated because Mike Dean owned up and said, you know, he messed up. But the referees, they escape all that. There's not really any consequences for it. And it's like, I also kind of find they want to sort of instigate change, but they are reluctant to actually take part in the change themselves. It just feels just a very poor way of running about things. And you kind of struggle to feel that really things probably aren't going to change. They're just kind of going to lose to it again. VAR is not the issue for all my, you know, frustrations with VAR and it's not taking the emotion that points out celebrating goals. VAR is not the issue here. It's the ego of uh, the ego of, of officials and the people operating it. They, they don't, you know, they're worried about how they look, etc. cetera, which is, you know, they've got to get rid of. It. It's just a, a mess. And you say, when that come out, it didn't really surprise me. I wasn't really shocked because it's Mike Dean, um, you know, and there are uh, certain officials who just love, who love talking about it. Why is it always Chelsea Tottenham as well if something comes out? Mark Klanberg, years earlier, saying you should have sent Spurs players off, but he was worried about how it would kind of be perceived, like, you know, how it'd be reported. It's like all these things. It's just so, so poor, and it just makes for an absolute mess and a shambles. Um, So, yeah, that's kind of what else has gone on at Chelsea this week. Um, We're going to move on to listener questions. Uh, The first question comes in from good friend of the show, RJ. Hey lads, keen to get your thoughts on what you attribute Raheem Sterling's recent improved performances to, and how long do you think he'll maintain this form? I mean, Harrison, he did kind of have a, there was this quote he did with Pochettino. He said like, he didn't sort of like, I think he was being inside where the first game, he said, we felt sort of inside too much. That's where he played a lot last season. And then he spoke to Pochettino and Pochettino was like, Raheem, I just want you sort of running around, moving, doing your thing, whatever. Um, what do you is it I mean it does feel simply safe that it does feel that it's Poch, right? And and Raheem Sterling as well, he did say he sort of rediscovered or, you know, really you know, he is loving his his football. I guess also like it does help when you've got perhaps stability behind him as well. I think mean, that, you know, probably helps a lot a player. Just what, what are your thoughts? What do you what do you put Raheem Sterling's in recent improved performances down to and how long do you think this going last for?
1: I think he came out as well and said he kinda of changed his diet and how he kinda of works about things. I think that can undoubtedly be a massive asset why he has improved so much and positively factors in Everpool too kind mean, of two go hand in hand. He's a new team, a new team with a lot of confidence and that confidence is shining through with him I alluded to earlier. But in terms of how long it lasts, well you just want it to last forever really. I mean Chelsea fans will want this every game for the rest of the season and into next season but you'd hope it just it just keeps going. I, I can't really put a time on these things because it could Sterling could go back to his cell from last season at any point. If he had, maybe an injury could completely ruin him. Who knows? But you just hope it's it goes on as long as it can.
0: Yeah, no, exactly, RJ, yeah. I You know, I don't want to think about, you know, immediately after a good performance, how long he will make it. I just want to think this is our the norm we're going to see from Raheem Sterling moving forward. And yeah, certainly to him, you know, again, it's been really nice. His link up with with Jackson, I, that probably helps him as well. Playing like with a, you know, again, simply actually playing with a striker, a recognised sort of proper sort of striker number nine there helps. And again, when Reese is about having someone like Gusto as well who can get forward, it's just it just helps him that he is probably, you know, we have surrounded him maybe with more stability or maybe a better base to build from and also just, you know, some maybe some better players as well to help him helping with that. And it just all, you know, factors into one. And yeah, it's just really encouraging to see from him. So I mean, that was, I think, undoubtedly his best performance in a Chelsea shirt. And we are seeing his best performances in a Chelsea shirt this season. And just hopefully they can continue because it means Chelsea are good and you still feel that this Chelsea side at points does lack goals. So it's important for Raheem Sterling keeps this up. Uh, Next question comes in from Dean Mears. Jackson, is he going to come amazing this season? Have we got to wait or do we need another striker? I mean, Harrison, we were pushing to say after game that He's not looking you know, after an out an outstrike, but he would like maybe someone who can play across all the front line. You know, there's been talks, there's been links to to Ryan Cherky, uh, Barcola from Lyon. Obviously, you'd think only one of those two would leave a window and give him this talk. I think PSG and maybe City were linked with Barcola as well. You know, Chelsea might have to act fast if they want to get one of them. There were Brennan Johnson links from Nottingham Forest, which I'll be brilliant. did not infuse me loads. Um, but on Jackson... Is he going to come amazing this season? Have we got to wait time? Do we love strike? There's a lot of questions there. We'll go with Jack. Is he going to come amazing this season? I mean, I feel that's too ideal. To I think we've got, we have got to wait time and be patient. But I mean, I kind of view it as if he can sort of replicate something similar to what Tammy Abraham did in his you know 1920 season. If he can get something like 15 goals in the Premier League or whatever, if he can get you know something like that, that would be a pretty successful return in his first season. I think. Um, Just your thoughts. Do we do we need another striker? Do we, you know, what 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 do we need?
1: I think having a player that can play across all positions in the front line is probably perfect because Jackson's a player that's only going to get better the more he plays, and I think there's no point trying to kind of block that progress at the moment. Because I mean, I touched on it. Positino is raving about him; he loves him. So I I find it hard to try and put someone in who's maybe better experienced, better position right now in front of him and limit those get that game time because. He is already showing great connection with several Chelsea players, getting in the right positions, making the right movements, having the right intentions. And it's just going to be spat execution now and polishing those raw raw bits of his game. Blocking him with someone would be silly, especially with kind of Chelsea's ambitions this year. You just, you'd think he's probably the perfect striker to get them where they need to this year. and Hopefully, by a position next year, they're back in Europe and he would have progressed significantly and can turn into an even better player than what he is now.
0: Yeah, obviously, I mean, if... Dean, if Chelsea were to go out and just sign an out on out striker, which I don't think we will be, if we were, I would also prefer it to sort of be a more senior striker because I'm looking at you got Bro you there as well. I don't really think it helps putting another young striker in the mix there. If we would have another, uh, if we could find a senior striker who was happy ish to sort of have like a backup role every now and then, but could still perform, that would be good. Like we will, we we kind of almost have like a jackpot in 920 with Tammy Abraham and Olivier Giroud, where Olivier Giroud when Tammy sort of faded, was able to sort of come in sort of a back half of that season, help us sort of get over the line for for top four. Top four. If we were to maybe have someone like that, wouldn't be opposed to it. But I think ultimately, you know, with Jackson, it's been really encouraging. He's got his first goal. Hopefully the confidence will continue. Um, you know, I don't want to, you know, go crazy. But there is, you know, there is a lot to like about him. As I said, there will be frustrations. I think on the first episode of the season, I'm of mentioned there will be times he does little flicks and layoffs our a little bit for shame was one last night kind of tried to flick it off. It's falls short, and it means Enzo ends up going into a player and getting booked. Again, that's not, you know, that's just like an unfortunate result of one of those flicks. These things happen. Just, you know, just be patient. I don't think we need to, you know, let's not go overboard after his first goal. But it's been a really encouraging first three games, and there's a lot to like about him. Just he's going to be a player that ultimately I think a lot of fans are going to find very easy to root for and support. Just because of how he conducts himself on pitch, how he goes about his football, how he plays, um, so yeah, just just encouraging there. And we'll, we'll just see if Chelsea bring a, a final player in the, you know, f- f- to play across the forward line in the final weeks of the of a window. Next question comes in from Dano Burgess. We huffed and puffed and finally blew Luton away, but we really made hard work of it. At what point can we revert to the four two three one a preseason versus the setup deployed at the moment? We knew Luton weren't gonna come and do anything, so why continue to deploy, to deploy the three at the back? So Dan, with a slightly more, I guess, negative question there, but I guess for there are understandable frustrations seeing Chilwell sort of in that role. I mean, Dan, at the end of the day, it is basically four two three one the four two three one. It's just that you've got Chilwell on that role instead of Martin or Mudric um there, and you've got Mudric injured. Really, the only, you know, Maduweki's not fit. So then, like right now, so realistically, who do you pick? It's probably between Chile or Martsen for that role. Um, I, you know, I get the frustration with it. I mean, Harrison, it does, you know, if Nkunku was fit, maybe things would be different. It does make seem a bit odd that one injury to Nkunku and everything sort of changes this drastically. But we do also know that Chelsea's strength has been there where wingbacks or fullbacks go in the last few years. Lever Cowell, I mean, we said earlier, he's doing a fine job at left-back. At what point would you like to sort of see the, or sort of a more traditional four-two-three-one? Would you like, would you maybe just see... Because, like, I mean, I'm not convinced we're going to see it till after the international break at the earliest. So, when would you like to sort of see it deployed? Because, obviously, Anchoa, well, he does, you know, he does, he has that bizarre moment when he sort of right for a goal. Yes, Devin decides to pass instead of shoot. Thankfully, it's not costly. But he has maybe been one of the weaker links in that rollout of this team that's been playing well. Actually, I thought against Liverpool, he was good. Against West Ham, less effective. And last night, again, had his moments. What point would you like to see us sort of go back to sort of the more default 4-2-3-1? And because if we do, then there will be questions. Because, I mean, Levi Cole has done very well at left-back. My logical solution is would be to shift him to left-centre-back and then put Chilwell left-back. Then you've got a question of what do you do between Silver and De Zazi. Um, albeit there might be a time when you know the time is to you know for Tiago to sort of take a backward step again. I'm giving you a lot here. Just what would you, what, you, what are your thoughts? What would you like to, you know, what point can we revert to the 4 2 3 1 of pre season?
1: I think it's just entirely dependent on when players come back from injury because it's, it's it's very frustrating. it's eight or nine players out injured, I think, at the moment, and undoubtedly, it's going to have a massive effect. And I think Bottas know, in many ways, is just trying to make the best of the resources he has available at the moment and put them together in a team that. Suits his philosophy and works in the way he wants Chelsea to play, and it is frustrating to kind of see that diversion from pre-season because it was so positive. But then being in held injury hasn't helped. Madrid not being ready or fit either hasn't helped as well. And there, there are a couple of players you expected to have played key roles in whatever um, system or formation Pochettino you know, went with, and that hasn't hasn't happened because of those injuries. And I think it's just a period where they're just trying to make use of this why you he's know, probably asking for a few more players to come in because he knows they are short and they are kind of in many ways scraping a bit at the barrel in some positions and having to just put players where they don't fully suit. i was a perfect example. I think in many ways he mentioned baffling why he didn't shoot last night, but maybe he's kind of reminiscent of why he doesn't maybe suit that further forward role so much. But yeah, it's just it's all dependent on the injuries. If they get back soon, recover well, Chelsea will be fine.
0: Yeah, no exactly exactly you know i think it will be one of those said maduaki's clearly not fit to start at the moment you know so again your really options are are very low and then like i mean i guess you could be where do you throw you know someone like a a maria in there or if kalamatsu doesn't leave does he then feature who knows but it's it's one of those like i'm kind of i'm not going to be go too overboard and critical on it because it's not like there's stacks of options right now who could be playing that and as i said that Get team against Liverpool in first week worked really well against Liverpool, you know. So it's only really last week where it sort of, you know, perhaps wasn't as effective, meant Luton a bit yesterday as well. But then in that time, you say Mudrick's not fit to, you know, fit, um, and he's not fit to start. So it's it's tough. And really, it's been between him and him and Martin. So oh, who knows? And I guess Chu also does provide sort of that stability. Um, as well from that position. It's, yeah, it's, it's it's not ideal. And I don't think, you know, people are going to necessarily be the most infused by the lineups at the start. But, you know, players are coming back. We've got to allow time to settle in. And who knows when, maybe when Enzo and Caicedo are like fully settled in as well. That will help as well. We'll just, you see, it's, it's a small frustration of mine. But if, but we still have played pretty well over the three games in spite of Chua being in that position, even if it does not necessarily get the best out of him. But, you know, hopefully in time we can sort of see, more, you know, go back to where we were. Uh, final question comes in from Marsha. How many loan spots do we have left if Lukaku is loaned? If it's only one, who goes? Leslie or Washington? I mean, it's one over, I, I think you'll find domestic wise, loans wise, but it's one overseas loan we've got left if, if Rom goes. Um, look, I think Harrison is pretty obvious that Washington needs to go on loan. He's basically barely played any senior football. If he can go on loan, whether that be on loan to, to Strasburgers or sort of I think he is kind of a clearly obvious one because, as we mentioned, Leslie in his cameos has looked good. And in, you know, there should hope, I mean, albeit not much, in the cups, you'd like to see him start. There'll obviously be games in Premier League where he comes off the bench. And also, there'll be times where you, you'd like to think he could come in for, you know, for a Casado or, you know, one of that midfield pairing because he does look fairly short. You can't, you certainly feel there's more game time. You certainly see a very decent, you can certainly see a pathway for more game time right now for. For Leslie than Washington, so for me it's kind of a no-brainer, right? But David Washington goes alone. Obviously, if you go to Strasbourg, then you can link up with Angelo Gabriel, who are known at Santos as well. That help a little bit there. And I think it's clear just at his stage of career, he needs he needs to play he needs to play football right now.
1: Yep, it's an absolute no-brainer. We've already talked about the role Leslie can play in the coming weeks and months. But for Washington, he needs experience in some ways. Like Santos, who's come in, and Angelo, who's also gone out on loan. Those they sort of players who need regular minutes and maybe the step above Premier League two football where Murea is kind of playing his trade as well. So, yeah, Washington out alone, Uga Chogu can stay.
0: Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. And, you know, hopefully, you know, when the window closes, we'll just have a clearer picture. Because here cities, I mean, we're, say, we're doing a, a squad form, and we don't know initially who's available anymore. Academy players called up for that as well. So, you know, we'll get a clearer picture, you know, towards the end of the season. But certainly right now, yeah, Washington's not going to be starting ahead of Jackson. Really, realistically, you struggle to see where he's gonna go. We we'll see Mason Burstos come off the bench, will he maybe just stick around, sort of maybe, sort of cup striker potentially at points? So, yeah, certainly Dave Washington. And again, I mean, also, like that point, you spend like 20, 15, like 20 million on him. Like, if he's not gonna have a future at Chelsea, that's absolutely fine, but you've got to certainly develop him so you can then actually sell him on and like recoup that, that fee. We've got to also be very careful, like, sign these players actually, you know. If you know, obviously, if they the, the goal is for them to play with Chelsea, great, but also if there is a goal to you know to help them like recoup a feed later down the line, then we've also got to manage them well to be able to do that because you know, 20 million for a player who's not played a whole lot of senior football is is quite a, a lot of money. Um, but yeah, that's all the questions we got today. That's all everything that got sent in. Um, got a lot covered in about 50 55 minutes or so for you guys there. I want to thank Harrison for coming on his first appearance on pod. I'm sure we'll be getting him on again in the future. Harrison, before you go, give yourself one last plug where people can find you and all your stuff.
1: Uh, I'm at HBullage2 on Twitter. You can find me there, but thank you for having me on.
0: No worries. It was a pleasure. said Harrison's links will be in the description to find him on Twitter. As for us, we're on Twitter, that Chelsea pod, Instagram, that Chelsea pod. We're on threads. I know no one really use it. Threads is there. Uh, we are, you can email the show if you want to get in touch as well. I forgot to mention that last week, the link has been in the description, all three episodes so far, Matts that's that, ChelseaPod at gmail.com. That's all lowercase. If you like your FPL, then the link to join our league is also in the description below. Um, I'm sure everyone was delighted, you know, seeing that four that £4 million option, Malo Gusto, uh, delivering that haul for everyone last night. Uh, but whenever I tweet put out any likes or reposts are very much appreciated. They go a long, long way. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please leave a rating review as I said we're on all usual podcast platform providers, Spotify, Apple, Google, podcasts, etc. Um I hope you enjoy the show, the first win of Mauricio Pochettino era. Hopefully there's many more to come. Until the next episode everybody, keep the blue flag flying high. sports Social Podcast Network.